Thanks for tuning in to the For Love of the Game podcast, where we uncover the most cherished stories of America's favorite pastime. Woven into the DNA of our country are tales from our backyards and sandlots, summer leagues to the big leagues. Every fan has a personal connection, a memory, resonating in each of us. It takes us on a journey to a time long forgotten, or a moment in our youth. That first time we heard the crack of the bat, the roar of the crowd, the smell of the fresh cut grass. And these cherished recollections sit there in the back of our minds beckoning us back to the game that we know and love, our reason to come back home, our reason for our love of the game. Joining us today, we have one of my former teammates, uh, Mr. New York Sports himself, number 17, Anthony Lobello. Lobo, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Uh, long-time listener, first-time uh, guest, so this is pretty cool. Well, well we appreciate that here. Um, you know, we're, we're on, what, day number 250 without baseball? Seems like 600 here. Um, yeah. I don't know. Hot take here. Will we have a regular season game in 2020? You know, I've been trying to say yes, but the longer we go and the fact that, you know, these um, negotiations don't seem to be going the right way, I, I, I am trying not to get my hopes up. I'm almost... I'm just saying no at this point. I'm just preparing for 2021 as I watch the uh, 2015 NLDS between the Mets and the Dodgers on my TV right now. I'm just going to keep watching these games until I, I, I guess next spring. <laughs> and hopefully I'm wrong with that. How many Mets highlights have you watched on SNY the past couple of weeks? Uh, oh, dude, it's been I've seen the 1986 NLCS between the Astros and Mets about 25 times, and I've gotten the same stories from my dad <laughs> about 100 times every time the game is on. And, and you know what? For him, he's just it, – it's like that same feeling every single time he watches it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially we were – literally today we were watching the 69 World Series. Um, it, was, they, it was game four. And uh, the Mets won in the bottom in the bottom of the tenth um, on actually a walk off bunt error throw, which is very misericordia Cougars yes. like. <laughs> but um, Tom Seaver actually pitched all ten innings, got the win, um, and then they closed it on Game Five. And and just watching my dad, you know, tell me where he was, you know, listening on the radio because you know back then all the games were, which is crazy to think all the World Series games were during the day. So they were in school during this. Right. And he would be like huddled up with his buddies around the, the radio listening to the World Series game, which is like unfathomable <laughs> in 2020. But it's, it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. You, you don't get stories like that too, too much anymore. So that's, that's pretty cool uh, when you're able to, to pass down the, those stories uh, throughout the generations. I think that that's yeah. what makes baseball awesome. Absolutely. And um, actually last year at, um, City Field. Uh, it was actually the 50th anniversary because it was 2019. So 1969 it was 50 years ago that they won. And me, my dad, and my sister, we, we made sure that we went to the reunion with all the guys. That uh, you know, they came back to this, the field. They did the the montages. They and my dad's just crying like a <laughs> like a little baby <laughs> in the seat next to me. Wow, the original Amazons, right? Yeah, the Miracle Mets. The miracle they said Mets. that they would have to put on a. They they said that they had to put a man on the moon before the Mets would win a World Series. Um, they said that back in 1962 <laughs> when they went 40 and 
120, which is the worst record I think still is in baseball wow. history. And then lo and behold, in July of 69, they put, you know, man lands on the moon. And then in October of 69, the Mets win the World Series. Wow. So they have it. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> I did not know. I did not know that story. That's pretty cool. So I take it that, you know, your love of baseball and your introduction to the game, did that come from your dad? Originally, yeah. It, it was basically my dad, my family uh, as well, because my dad had three brothers, they were, it was, and it was just sports all the time. So, you know, every time it was someone's birthday or a holiday, you know, me and my cousins and my uncles, we would go out, wiffle ball, you know, even like other sports, you know, football, kickball, anything we could do. But, you know, it was always baseball. And our house, um, our family on my dad's side was kind of split between Mets and Yankees fans. I, I was going to so ask was, that. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my earliest memories actually as a kid with baseball is uh, in 2000 was the Subway Series between the Mets and the Yankees. And I, uh, thankfully, I think, I don't remember much <laughs> because if that happened in 2020 or 2021, I don't know how I would be able to survive something like that, especially <laughs> with the result of the Yankees winning. But one of my earliest memories is, you know, having my whole family over um, for those games and, and watching them in my basement. Wow. That, that yeah. must have been pretty sweet. And I was actually, that's one of the, the highlights that I was watching a couple weeks ago um, was a game – it was like game five, I think, or game six, Al Leiter pitched. He pitched a gem, man. Um, what did he mm-hmm. go, like seven innings, no runs or, or something ridiculous? Yeah, Al Leiter for those teams was a horse. And surprisingly, uh, Mike Hampton was good. Yes. You know, the, if you look at the 2000 Mets roster, it's probably one of the saddest teams to ever <laughs> make the World Series. I mean, you had you had some just like gritty guys like Jay Payton and – and Timo Perez that were just, you know, grinding. And, of course, they had Piazza. But it was just, like, all these guys that you were like, really? Like, this is the best <laughs> team in the league? But that's what kind of made it so special for them. Timo Perez, the one thing I remember about him was the size of his outfield glove. It was, like, <laughs> <laughs> two gloves combined. That's one, that's one thing I do remember yeah. <laughs> about and, that team. And in left, they had Benny Agbayani and my – Lasting memory of Benny Agbayani was in a regular season game, I think in 99 or 2000, where he's, he's playing left. There's a fly ball. He caught a ball with one out uh, in foul territory with a man on third, and he actually flipped the ball into the stands <laughs> with oh. only two outs. And the guy starts running home, and he takes the ball out of the kid's hand <laughs> in the stands and throws it back into play. <laughs> wow. So the, yeah, those are the kinds of you know, the players the Mets had in 2000 on there. Yeah, yeah, just a bunch <laughs> of – it's like if they were to make an actual major league movie, <laughs> that's that team. Pedro Serrano. Probably. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talking to the bats. And it's crazy. It's those guys, man. Now, I'm glad you brought up the, the split in your family because um, we kind of have the same thing uh, on my dad's side. You know, some are Mets fans and a lot are Yankees fans. So – and I, I don't know if – I might be in the minority here, but – like, I don't hate the Mets. I know there's a rivalry between, you know, the Crosstown rivalry, the Subway Series mm-hmm. and all. But, yeah. you know, being a Yankees fan, I hate the Red Sox. And now I hate the Astros, of course. Yeah. I think a lot of people hate the Astros. <laughs> but, that's, that's a given, though. Yeah. You know, 
I, I respect the Mets when they're not playing the Yankees. It's like, you know, I want to see him do well. Do you have that same position or what's your take on it? Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to really hate a team when you, you know, play them four or six times a year. Um, you, you know, that, that like physical head to head hatred, like, you know, with the Braves or the Phillies uh, or the Nats, I, I wouldn't really say the Marlins, but <laughs> um <laughs> You know, it's kind of different. So what I really hate about the Yankees organization are, I'm sorry, Jim, but it's just the fans. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's the cocky, uh, go F yourself attitude <laughs> that, that really, that's like, you know, I don't mind. I, I, Derek Jeter is a great player. You know, all the guys, Bernie Williams, uh, Kanerka, um, sorry, Knobloch, like all those guys from the nineties, um, I don't hate any of them. Paul O'Neill's great, you know, but uh, it's just the fans that that really just irk me because it's just like, leave me alone. <laughs> I know the Mets are inferior <laughs> as an organization and just let it let it go. <laughs> that's that's understandable. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say the majority of Yankee fans are like that, but a decent amount are. It might be it might be a little more than half. We'll say <laughs> <laughs> once you head into the Bronx, you know, it's and a different you got, story. It's a different story. <laughs> all the pompous, yes. pompous jerks everywhere. But you know, I do. You gotta. I mean, how can you not respect the history and all the the good that the Yankees have done? Yeah. I mean, their brand. It's crazy that their brand is you know the most popular. Think of the Yankee hat, and it's just like you could find that in any country, any part of the world at any time. Someone's wearing a Yankee hat, and it's like you gotta just respect that. Yeah, yeah, they def- definitely won the branding game. That's for sure. <laughs> but um, you know, getting back to you know some of your your Mets memories, what are I don't know if you can remember some of your earliest um, memories from Shea Stadium. So I do have a couple uh, from you know those two thousands. Really, you know, as early I can remember was about the year two thousand and in that year actually went to a game with my dad against the Braves. Um, and it just seemed like a normal game. Uh, and about the sixth inning, the Mets were down, I think by seven runs. And I remember my dad saying, aunt, let's go. Like, let's get out of here. Let's beat the traffic. Um, uh, and let's, let's, let's go home. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to leave. I said, I don't want to leave. I refuse to go. Um, and then I think at the seventh or eighth inning, the Mets had a, just an amazing comeback. They scored 10 runs in the 10th inning. Uh, I'm sorry. They scored 10 runs in the eighth inning. And they won 11 to 8 against the Braves. And it's like, it goes down as one of the craziest Mets games ever. And it was uh, capitalized by a, uh, uh, Mike Piazza screaming line drive home run, and, you know, right over the left field fence. And I remember that moment. Because as a kid, you know, I started going crazy, but I was also confused because the ball was still on the field. <laughs> I don't know if you, you know, watch a highlight. The ball, it, it's hit so hard. It hits like the wall behind the fence. It's a home run, but it comes back onto the field. And I'm confused. I'm like, the ball's on the field. How did the Mets score three runs? <laughs> and my dad had like, I, that, so those are my two biggest, earliest memories it was that game, and you know, every time that game's on, because it's been on, you know, a lot. So it's like, hey, remember we had that game, and you wanted to leave, and I didn't let you. He goes, yeah. I can one that that is amazing that you guys were there. 
um, 10 runs in one inning, that doesn't yeah. happen too often, let alone to, to end in a walk-off home run like that is, is crazy. But I can just picture dad, and especially, you know, me being an adult now, it's like, you know, this is stupid. I paid for this. They're getting blown out. Let's just go. Like, I can totally <laughs> picture him feeling that. And then just the yeah. little kid like, no, like, what? No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You know, I don't remember if it was a weekday. Maybe I had school the next day. I'm not really sure. But, you know, I, I refuse to leave. And, um, and to this day, I'll, I absolutely hate leaving any sporting event early. <laughs> like, any event. Doesn't matter if it's baseball, football, hockey. Doesn't matter. I want to stay there until the last to the clock hits zero or the final out well right rightfully so i think rightfully so i right? think you've earned that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so another great memory i have of shay um was also with my dad um who took me to so many games back in the day but um it was actually in 2008 it was game 161 and the mets were a solid team, very good team. Um, they were fighting for a playoff spot against, I believe, the Brewers, because that was the year that CC was traded. Yes. Um, from and he just like was pitching like every other day. It seemed like he threw uh, two hundred innings in like fifty games with with the Brewers and willed them to the wild card. And they actually beat out the Mets by one game. It ended up being, but we were at game 161 and Johan was pitching. They were playing against the Marlins and they needed to win the last two games to have a shot to either tie or win the wild card. And Johan goes out there and throws an absolute gem, complete game shutout, kept the Mets alive. It ended up being the last win at Shea because the last, the next year was City Field. They knocked it down. Wow. So it's kind of crazy looking back. I do. And I do have the scorebook somewhere <laughs> in my room because I loved keeping score. So somewhere in my room, I have the Johan Santana complete game shutout last win at Shea against the Marlins. They won two nothing that game. And uh, I remember him uh, getting the final out, walking off the field and the whole place just going, been just going absolutely nuts. Wow. That place was probably rocking. And yeah, Johan, I wish another, another one of those players that, uh, unfortunately got injured um, quite often towards the end of his career there. Um, mm -hmm. But he was dominant. His changeup was filthy. Yeah, it was, he was kind of, he's kind of forgotten just because he didn't have a crazy long peak or didn't have a, you know, 20 year career. Um, but he is one of those guys that was just so, so solid. Um I think he won two Cy Youngs with the with the Twins. Yeah, and you know he's, he's just kind of forgotten just because you know he only pitched for maybe eleven eleven or twelve years. Right. Yeah. No. He uh, he was a stud that carried the, those Twins teams, and then obviously was uh, a great performer for the Mets. Um, and you know, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the walk off by Piazza because one of my favorite baseball. Um, I guess moments or memories is the the first game back after September 11th. Um, you know, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah. And it's like, you're all right. You're watching the game. You're, you're watching the highlights now, but obviously back then it's like, all right, this could come down to Piazza. And then here he comes up to the plate and he just launches, <laughs> launches mm -hmm. just and um, absolute 
bomb and Howie Rose has the call. I think this has a chance. This might have a chance. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think it went like 460 feet. That's, <laughs> that's like a, that's like a crisp, a crisp Bermanism right there. Yeah. Um, but uh, you could just feel, you know, obviously the stadium was going berserk. And I think you just felt America rise a little bit out of the ashes. And yeah. that was one of those first moments where you're like, all right, you know, it's going to be normal and, and it's going to be okay again. We're, yeah. we're going to get through this. And, and that's, that's pretty special. And especially being in New York city um, right after that, it's, that's, um, that's pretty awesome. And yeah. um, on, on a lighter note, one of my uh, favorite memories from Shea, I think I went to Shea one time and I was about seven years old um, and we were, we were sitting out in the parking lot, you know, we might've been by the player's entrance trying to get someone, uh, you know, hoping someone would come by for an autograph. Um, but then this van pulls up and out pops Mr. Met. I'm like, what? This is so awesome. <laughs> and then out pumps, out, out, out jumps, uh, the elephant for the athletics, the Toronto blue Jays mascot, the Padres, um, and a couple other of them. And, Mr. Matt comes over and, you know, I'm giving him a high five and my dad's like taking a picture. And then the mascots, the other mascots are just standing there. And then Mr. Matt looks at them and they're all like, he's like, can we come? Can we come? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come over here. So <laughs> I got a picture with Mr. Matt and then all the other mascots that day. I think it might've been uh, Mr. Matt's birthday. That's why they were all there. Um, so that was how the, the game started, which was awesome as a seven-year-old kid. Like what more do you need? Yeah, right? That's, um, that is great. And then, yeah, the, the game was great. I think Roberto Alomar Jr. hit two home runs that day. Um, and uh, if I didn't know any better, I, I might have been uh, converted to, to a Mets fan at a young age. But It was my, so close. <laughs> my brothers, it, takes, it just takes one game sometimes. Yeah, my, uh, my brothers would have shamed me, I think, for forever. <laughs> but uh, no, so that's my, my one fond memory of, of Shea Stadium. But uh, who were some of your guys growing up? Who did you, uh, you know, look up to? Who were some of your favorite players? Um, well, just to keep it in, you know, locally, I mean, first there was Piazza. I mean, that goes without saying. He was, you know, the guy when the Mets got him in 98. And, you know, growing up, like, he was, you know, pretty much the all he was the Mets for for the seven years that he was here and you know I used to have this um I used to like try to mimic the uh the Mets you know wind-ups and batting stances and I had Piazza down to a T <laughs> I could mimic everything that he did on the on the on the baseball field unfortunately I wasn't a righty so I couldn't you know catch but you know as far as hitting the for the follow through, the the way that he would strut after his after hitting a absolute moonshot, <laughs> I had that all down at a very early age. So he was probably number one. Um, and then you know a little bit after that, it was um, really David Wright was yeah. he came into the scene a year after uh, that you know Piazza left. So it was kind of like a seamless transition. And you know by this time I'm understanding baseball and you know I'm playing you know little league and uh, and higher. So it was like this, you know, David Wright's kind of like another guy that people forget about similar to Johan, like how good he was yeah. in like 06, 07, 08. Um, unfortunately he hit the injury bug too, but, yep. um, you know, if you were 12 years old in 2006, like I was and the Mets fan, 
um, and you didn't have a David Wright jersey, there was <laughs> there was something wrong because every everybody had had the David Wright jersey. I mean, he uh, he was just Mister Consistent man. It's just yeah. another one of those uh, guys, um, you know, like the Derek Jeters who just played the game the right way. You yeah. know, he was he was always mm-hmm. dirty. I love his defense at third base was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, always making it seem the web gems on Sunday night baseball right. there. Um, but he was that that's one of the guys you just always I always look forward to seeing and also living in New York. We got SNY, so we'd catch catch him and Jose Reyes playing. That that was yeah. an exciting team, man. Yeah. The, the future, at least then, looked looked really bright. Um, yeah, but and, between uh, them they had and then they signed Beltron too in two thousand five and it was like this is the core for the next felt like a million years like yep. you, we're like we're set forever and um, Cl- unfortunately cliff floyd too i think right yep floyd um, delgado p- people forget delgado was a beast too yes pretty sure um, he hit over 40 home runs with the mets one year he might have i wouldn't be surprised he had, <laughs> he got close to 500 for his career i mean he was he was another beast yeah. that the that the mets had in those mid 2000 years yeah. um and then I would say, you know, after David Wright, um, it was Matt Harvey. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. <laughs> Another guy that people forget how good that dude was from 2012 to 2015. I yeah. mean, because the Mets in 2009, 2010, 2011 were sad. <laughs> There's no <laughs> other way to put it. Those were like... Now, now they're showing all these classic games. There's no games from those years. <laughs> no games. So they, in 2006, they game seven in the NLCS lost to the Cardinals, heartbreaking. Then 0708, they have two, both years they have collapses right right at the end um, and miss the playoffs. And then it was just darkness for for like four years. And then we have this guy come at almost I wouldn't say nowhere, but you know we all. He had high expectations, but I remember watching his first start in Arizona in 2012. I think he had 10 strikeouts, hit a double, and I was like, this is the greatest pitcher of all time. <laughs> like, I can't – I want no other discussion because I was absolutely – I have – I had that guy's back no matter what. And he had some off-the-field issues, which was, you know, it is what it is. But um, he kind of took the Mets and made them fun again and made them relevant again. And it was kind of like the first piece – when they made their runs in 15 and 16 into the playoffs. And he was like the first guy and that guy will always be my dude. <laughs> I love that Harvey. <laughs> yeah. He just another exciting flamethrower to, to watch and just, he could dominate uh, a baseball game. man. and it's uh, another one of those guys, like you said, who, who uh, unfortunately got injured. So hopefully um, we can see him make a little bit of a comeback here. I know it's not a meta anymore, but still, you um, you know, would like to see him come come back to, to yeah, somewhat of the player he was. I mean, the Mets, you know, they should just keep their lines open. You could always use another pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> Who says you can't go back home, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's funny, uh, in our generation, we kind of saw the shift from the cookie-cutter fields, like Veterans Stadium, Shea Stadium, mm-hmm. even, even Yankee Stadium, uh, kind of had that just you know plain circle shape around it, but 
there's just something about the old stadiums that I love that although the new stadiums are tremendous and just magnificent, it just doesn't, there's a certain aura that the, that the old stadiums had. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, I love the new Yankee stadium, but the old Yankee stadium, it was just, it just got so loud. Um, right. And I, I, you know, haven't really experienced that. Um, but in, in your opinion, what's, I guess, what's a, a better for you? Is it, is it Shea or, or City Field? Well, Shea kind of had like the aura and the mystic around it. And it just kind of, you walked in and it wasn't, I guess it wasn't pretty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I refrain from using the word dump, but some people might call it that, but it just had like this grittiness and like old school character that, you know, obviously like these new, like city field is just like, it looks like a, someone like handcrafted it. Like, it's just so amazing where Shea stadium was kind of like, you kind of put it together at the last minute kind of <laughs> deal. But um, I don't know. I think they had to build those old stadiums a different way. Cause the way that the shape would it just echo is just insane. And then, they actually built Shea like on like suspenders. So like if you got loud enough, the the stadium would literally shake <laughs> and imagine wow. that with like echoing throughout the whole, the whole um, stadium. It's pretty insane. But um, I mean, I do love city field. Um, I think it's a great place to watch a baseball game. You know, it is new, but I, I love both of them equally. Uh, I think I would have to give, just the edge slightly to city though. Yeah. It's, it's such a cool stadium. I think we went back there, uh, my parents and, and Pete actually, Pete McDonald. Um, and we went to catch a game at city field and, um, I don't know. It, it was awesome. We caught two balls during batting practice and being <laughs> well, in 10th grade, like is, you know, That's that just set, set the, set the bar right there. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's still got that, I don't know because it was kind of the outside is modeled after after Ebbets Field. And right, it just got right. that cool look to it. It just yeah. I don't know. I I can't believe it's, I'm saying this, but I I like City Field better than the new Yankee Stadium. Hey, I, I'm I'm putting it out there. I I would agree, and I think a lot of people would too. You know, it's got that like brick outfit. You know, facing on the outside, it kind of gives it this. You know, it it respects the past in, yes. in, a, in a nice way. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's the, the, the history for, you know, for the love of the game for me, comes from the mostly like the history and just some of the great players that came through. And I think they did a good job of paying homage to that past and making it um, part of our future as well. But, um, you know, not only are you a huge baseball fan, but you also played and I think currently still play to this day. Um, still, still kicking it. (laughs) That's right, baby. Um, and I love, I like doing this. Um, I did it with Delro and Lindsay on the last couple episodes here, but, um, one of the first things that I remember, um, uh, of Lobo is your curveball. And in my <laughs> mind, I was like, this kid, this is a 12 to six, just as good as Clayton Kershaw's. It, it was just, <laughs> well, I was you. like, I was like, Oh boy. You know, I'm seeing some of these kids and like, I'm not going to get any playing time <laughs> if I make this team. Um, but, uh, and also you're a lefty like Kershaw as well. So mm-hmm. wh- when did you know that 
one, you were a lefty. And when did you start messing around with that curveball? Um, I mean, you'd have to ask Tommy LaBello to where I got the genetics, but I guess I just picked the ball up with my left hand and maybe he taped the, my right hand behind my back or something or, <laughs> or I don't know, but it was just, you know, from the get go and pitching always, it was like I had to, <laughs> you know, you can't be a lefty and not pitch, right? which is, so I, you know, as a young kid, I played first base outfield and pitch because I had to, <laughs> it was, I didn't have much choice and, you know, I didn't end up being, you know, six, five. So first base wasn't, you know, I had, I had some bigger dudes there. Um, <laughs> so I was like, let me, let me stick to pitching for a little bit. But the funny part about my curveball is I really didn't even start throwing. Cause my dad was a big proponent of, you know, not throwing curveballs. So I didn't start throwing, throwing until my junior year of high school, which is wow. pretty crazy. So first two years of high school, I was just fastball, change up, fastball, change up mess around with like a slider but like that was pretty much it and then I actually had a pitching coach that I went to and you know it was like all right let's finally do this you know going into my junior year of high school he's like you need a you need a breaking ball now I was like okay yeah let's do it and I remember the first one I snapped off and it was just like we looked at each other and I looked at my dad and I was like that was it (laughs) so it was like (laughs) we're doing this yeah (laughs) it's like the first one it was tight it was 12-6 it was bottom of the zone it was and like I've always tried to replicate that you know that feeling from my first pitch really my first curveball ever to just keep doing it um but but yeah so that's always been my my ace in the hole that's pretty funny you're a little curveball you're a late bloomer with that that's who knows when you're gonna find a new pitch I mean it's it's crazy um, just messing around like Mariano. He didn't find his cutter until he was in, you know, right. the Yankees drafted him. Right. Um, and so that was si- similar to bring up Kershaw again, but, you know, his slider, he had always known for his curveball, but he ended up developing one of the best sliders in the game, like his third year in the league, yeah. which is pretty crazy because you have like two of the best pitches and now you want to just mess around with the third one. Yeah, and it's and it's pretty crazy today with the technology. I was listening to a, a podcast with, um, oh goodness, uh, Trevor Bauer had yeah. um, Sonny Gray on, and they were just talking about the the, the cameras that they have that break down um, into milliseconds. The, the Rapsodo cameras. Yes, and they can see exactly where they need to put their hand on the ball to get the exact spin they want. And yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Now the game is, is completely changed, but it's unbelievable. But uh, I do want to say one thing about Trevor Bauer. Um, he blocked me on Twitter like five years ago <laughs> and whenever he goes, cause he goes viral a lot with his tweets and the crazy things he says, I can never see it because I think like in 2013 or 14, he was on my fantasy team and he walked like five guys in six innings and <laughs> and I gave it, I laid into him a little bit on Twitter and he blocked me. So <laughs> that's my beef I have with Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Bauer. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. If, uh, if Trevor Bauer ever hears this, please unblock <laughs> Anthony LaBello from your Twitter. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't mean it. All right. I didn't mean it. I was, I was young. <laughs> uh, fantasy. Um, but it's cut. <laughs> fantasy gets fantasy you heated, base- man. Fantasy baseball is, it's a grind. Much like anything of baseball, it's, it's a grind. <laughs> <laughs> you said it you said it but uh, um getting getting back to your your playing days what are some of your favorite memories um c- 
competing with, with your boys at Misericordia? Um, well, for, I would like to say my, probably my earliest memory with like competing, but like way before college, before high school, was actually in Little League. So Staten Island, where I grew up, very competitive with their Little League uh, organization. <laughs> so I actually lived right – I still live by right down the block from the Little League that I went to. And I played at for years. Um, you know, I could see it from my front, from my front, uh, front door. Uh, so like that was like an extension of like my house almost. <laughs> I was there all the time. Um, but my earliest memory from there would be playing in, in like the All Star games, mm-hmm. which is like the which would get to Williamsport. Those those teams. Yes. And I mean, when I tell you that the Staten Island residents would come out, these things would be packed, jam packed. From you know center field all the way down to the home plate, just loads of people, and like playing in those games was like my first taste of like competitive, like high stakes, almost like baseball. Like this is awesome, um, and that really carried over. And we experienced that so many times over at Miz with all the incredible games that we played, right. and you know these high pressure, high stakes situations. Um, that's awesome. Probably, man. yeah. As, as especially being a little kid, I mean, you know, I was just happy if you know my grandparents and aunt and uncles showed up. But <laughs> to have that many fans at, at a little league game, that must have felt like you were playing in the World Series. Yeah, it really was, especially because if you won or if you hit a home run or if you did something great, you were on the front page of the newspaper, the oh. Staten Island newspaper. So it was like. Everything was on the line. Wow. Legendary status right there. <laughs> yeah. If you went like, if you won the Staten Island Championship, like, and you went like, hit like five home runs in the tournament, you were like, might as well put up a monument for you. <laughs> you were, the, you were like the summer, like the legend that summer. Wow. That's, that's pretty special, man. No, I yeah, love that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, um, and I, that's why I love watching the little league world series too. And like all the regional games, like the, right. The fans, the parents, the families are just so into it. And these yeah. kids live and die on every play. Uh, they let their emotion show a lot like Al lighter did <laughs> when he was pitching. <laughs> Al lighter. Yeah. Um, but it was nice because then when we got to Miz, we played in all of these great matchups. And um, really what comes to mind first is actually against Keystone. Yes. I don't know about you, but whenever we played them every year, and whenever we got the schedule, that was like we circled that date against Keystone uh, because they they were awesome. Like as a team, they were they were like in our region, I guess, in the state of Pennsylvania. That was like our competition. They um, it, it amazed me because they their team was was very diverse and. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they got some of these kids into the to the back mountains of <laughs> Pennsylvania, but to, to play at Christy Matthewson Field, there, and, uh, are you saying that's not a hotbed? There, there's a rumor that we played against one of Yadier Molina's younger brothers or cousins or something. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. yeah, the one Keystone game um, freshman year was everything you would want in a college baseball. Um, scenario 
especially to, to, to live that experience. Um, and like you said, both teams were outstanding. And I think Keystone was actually ranked 13th in the country at the time when we played them our freshman year. Um, at, was that during the regular season? Yeah, they were, they were, I think they had their starting pitcher, their ace got drafted. I mean, he was insane too. Yeah. And, um, you actually, you actually pitched that game, right? I did. Yeah. So, um, it, it was a wild, this is the, we're playing at Keystone in the middle of, you know, it's one of our non-conference games, which are so important for, for us. And, um, I, it was a mid middle of the week game. And, um, I, I just remember coach saying like, be ready this game. And me, a freshman, I think I had two appearances so far in the year. I was like, huh? It's like, all right, let's, let's go. Um, so Max Weintraub actually started the game. Um, wow. He pitched great, five innings. And then I come in against the meat of the order. Um, and I remember I gave up this, which I thought was going to go 800 feet to center field. But uh, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Darling, as he so often did, tracked it down. Um, we got out of the inning. Um, and then the floodgates freaking opened up. <laughs> so we, I went out for the next inning in the seventh. And, I mean, it's absolutely pouring. <laughs> and I walk the first two guys of the inning. And I'm like, oh, God, this is – and it was a tight game. I don't remember if we were tied or losing, but it was, it was a close game. And then, of course, then the umpires say, all right, everybody off the field. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> now that they like, made you, you pitch through that. Yeah, pitch through two guys and – what happened next was probably one of the, I've never experienced this. I probably don't think I'll ever experience it again. If you remember too, what happened during the rain delay? <laughs> there were, we had, I mean, that was when, you know, the rise of YouTube kind of really started to take off. And I think we might've been one of the original teams to, to break out the, uh, the dance off during the rain delays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that was becoming like a big thing during rain delays, like either have a dance competition or play like tic-tac-toe with a baseball or do something. But I mean, this game, that this delay, it felt like it was two hours long. And I mean, there's no lights at Keystone. So, and it's absolutely pissing rain so we're like all right let's screw it and i don't know if you remember this jim but coach egbert wasn't even coaching that game <laughs> he was ejected the game before and he had to sit i think whatever the rule was two games so coach bennett was 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 at the helm and he was like i don't care guys do what you do what you want and coach bennett was was so great um so we started dancing on the tarp and doing like slip and slides and um <laughs> that was also the year the harlem shake was a big yes. thing so we did we both did a harlem shake um and actually max weintraub who pitched started the game was recording all of this and it's somewhere in the depths of youtube now the whole thing which is insane we gotta we gotta bring that back to the surface because i, I just remember some of the guys just got absolutely soaked and yeah yeah they had like their starting shortstop like doing you know sliding from like second to third you know as a slip and slide none of us none of us thought we were gonna pick up the game we thought it was gonna be canceled and little did we know we all had to finish out the last what was it like last two innings three less, innings less three innings yeah and... soaking wet <laughs> 
And um, when, when we go back out there, it's first and second, no outs. <laughs> and Robo comes in. And Robo, who just shut everybody down that year, um, strikes the next three guys out in the seventh inning, gets out of it, and we end up winning the game. But, yeah, that was such an insane <laughs> uh, game to be a part of. Yeah, that I had – I'm glad you brought that up because that's one um, – you know, you, you don't, you tend to forget some of the games and it's more about um, just the antics in the locker room or the pitcher's van conversations getting pumped oh, yeah. up before the games. Um, but the w- one experience that I will certainly never forget is Puerto Rico when we played in the first ever Roberto Clemente <laughs> classic. Um, and we were actually, um, roommates and bedmates <laughs> that year and, and I, whatever you want to call the place that we stayed hotel el faro shout out shout out to those guys with uh two grown men sharing a twin bed uh you you really <laughs> learn a lot about a guy when you have to share a twin bed for for a week with them in, in the middle of nowhere puerto rico pretty much um when we had chickens outside and stray dogs like coming up to our, our our room door that was it was like we really had to uh deal with the uh the elements it wasn't just a, a hotel it was an experience that an experience to say the least i don't think and this is just probably you know i've been sheltered in the u.s my whole life but i was not comfortable that whole trip man it was <laughs> it was dingy van rides to fields we didn't know it was a one o'clock start that was ended up being two fifteen because they had to like rake every piece of dirt and put down the chalk lines it took. It was like, <laughs> what are we doing? We had, Where are we? We had jalopies coming at us in the wrong side of the road. We got horses in the outfield. Horses Gun- in the outfield. Gunshots going off behind the outfield wall. It was, but it was, it was a great, great memory. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything else really because i mean at that point we went to florida three times we basically knew the steak and shake uh you know the people <laughs> that worked there they knew my order at that point so uh, you know walking i remember the first night there was nothing by our hotel except there, there was like a gas station like like two miles down the road um and me and a couple guys were like all right let's just walk there and little did we know it was the side of a highway and cars are just whizzing by us. You know, we're just on the shoulder of this, of this highway. There's no lights cause it's, you know, the middle of nowhere. And, um, of course, and it was like 95 degrees with humidity. So by the time we got back, we were just like, screw this. We all just went to bed <laughs> and you we could soaking. You couldn't shower either. Cause there were what there was one, uh, large towel to a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just shower and just go air dry in the middle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was quite, that was quite a week yeah. for the Misericordia Cougars to, to say the least, but, um, but yeah. And, um, like I was saying, I think in the pitcher's van, um, I think it was me, you and Delro, maybe Turt shared a row back there, but always cranking the tunes. And, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, it's Lobo, Delro and, and now Lindsay, um, have a group chat called the songbirds because obviously we're huge music fans <laughs> as well um and it, it's a shame we did we, we weren't allowed to have walkout songs in in college but if, if you were allowed to have a walkout song right now what would it be 
well. Um, I always think of one specific song because also freshman year, to go back, we played um, at PNC in a regular season game against Cortland. Yes. Um, and when Cortland was awesome that year, too. Um, and I was lucky enough to pitch. And I remember I came out of the bullpen um, you know, from left field, and they started playing The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> and I was like, this is not the song I would pick, but... But now it's just like stuck with me. I'm like every time I hear that song, I think about running in from left field at PNC Park. The you know the guitar riff in the beginning with the uh, the middle Jimmy. Yes. But if I had to pick and you know a different song, if I had my, <laughs> if I had a choice, um, I love Rage Against the Machine. Ooh. I'm not sure they're a '90s you know rock band. Um, so they had some absolute jams so like killing in the name probably i mean if you listen to like the first uh you know few seconds of that song that'll just get that'll get you going <laughs> so that that might be mine uh all right know, that might be my my walk-in i like it it gets the people going <laughs> yeah it, it definitely will get it, it'll let everybody know nobody's gonna miss that song. that's right that's right um well, we'll do we'll shift the conversation a little bit here and I'll end on some quick quick hitting rapid fire questions. Um if if you could go back in time and watch any mm-hmm. one player, who would it be? So that's a great question. Um and I think it goes without saying like in 2020 there's so many good young players it's insane that the, the talent that's in the, in the major leagues right now but to go back i think there's a few that pop out um well tom Seaver's one <laughs> i would love to see tom Seaver pitch and see him work you know work the uh the batters and in, in shea stadium in the 60s but to you know kind of go other teams i would say pete rose for sure yeah charlie hustle i mean that guy laid it out on the line Every game, um, say what you want about him, should be in the Hall of Fame. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Correct. Um, <laughs> that is a correct statement. <laughs> um, Pete Rose would be one. Um, then, you know, two center fielders. I would love to see Willie Mays and uh, Mickey Mantle. Wow. Uh, Willie, because, I mean, I always hear that, you know, Mike Trout is basically, you know, Willie Mays, but I would just love to see it you know, back in the fifties when he's flying all over center field and making all the plays, hitting bombs, you know, legging out doubles. And, you know, he was the complete player and Mickey Mantle because he's the Mick. That's why he's just yeah. the Mick. And, and what, a, what, what an awesome time to be a sports fan, especially a baseball fan in New York city. We had mm-hmm. Willie Mickey and the Duke man, yep, the New York giants, sure. Yankees and the Dodgers right yeah. there. Uh, it, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Absolutely not. Um, what that would that would be an insane time to, to watch all of these all of those guys. But um, and then to go a little bit more modern. Um, even though I was alive, I wasn't um, able to understand what he was doing. But Barry Bonds. I mean, yeah. you could say what you want about him, but I mean. Between like '98 and '04, he just put up these ridiculous. Just if you ever want to laugh, if you ever just want to have a nice laugh, type in Barry Bonds in the Baseball Reference page because his <laughs> his stats are just 
bonkers. The amount of league leaders and the on-base percentages and the, the slugging. You know, I think in 2004, he had like a 6.10 on-base percentage. Like, what? That doesn't even make sense. That is so, unreal. But yeah, that that would be something. Like you said, we were we were young, um, and you know could see the highlights on Sports Center, him chasing down the home run record. But just yeah. to go back and just appreciate just how sweet his swing was, man. Yeah, um, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. And people forget, you know, in the '90s he was a forty forty guy. He was stealing bases and hitting dingers too with the pirates. So like he was still a, an amazing play, MVP player. Yeah. Um, even back then. What's, what's the crazy stat? It's like, um, he's the only guy or he had 500 home runs and 500 stolen bases. And then or like, who's the only guy to do that. And then the next closest is like 200 and 200. It's, it's something <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. It's, um, you can go all day with Barry Bond stats yeah. from those years. It's he's outrageous. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up Tom Seaver. Because um, I, I wanted to, I, I was curious if you could form a pitching staff of the ultimate Mets starting pitchers right now. Who would be your starting five? So, I mean, it gets pretty easy to start. So, I mean, it's Tom Seaver, obviously best pitcher in Mets history. Um, and then I'm not sure who I would want second. Um, you know, in the rotation, it's a, it's. Between Gooden, Dwight Gooden, and obviously Jacob DeGrom. Um, what Gooden did at such an early age in the, you know, 85, 86, you know, he had an electric fastball. He had this absolute hammer curve, um, and he was just setting guys down at 20 years old, which is, <laughs> you know, unheard of. Um, and then obviously Jacob DeGrom, back to back Cy Young winners. You know, probably the best pitcher in the league right now. Um, hopefully for the next five plus years, six plus <laughs> years, too. You know, we can't have anything go wrong with him because, um, you know, the Mets traded Tom Seaver, which my dad says was one of the top three worst days of his life. Um, uh, and then Dwight Gooden had off the field issues. So, I mean, like Jacob deGrom, can we just like put him in a bubble <laughs> and keep him safe? Um, but then next... I personally would have to go Matt Harvey again to bring him up. Those years in 2012 to 2015 were just insane. Um, he was so dominant and it kind of, it was like a flame, like all of a sudden he was gone, but there's few guys that could dominate a lineup like Harvey yeah. did. And then lastly, I'm going to have to go way back. Some people might know, not know this guy, but Jerry Kuzman. Oh, he, he was a pitcher for the Mets in the '60s. He's a lefty, so I had to throw the lefty in there. So, there you go. Um, his number is actually going to be retired. Well, it was supposed to be retired this year by the Mets. But you look at those guys. That guy's numbers. He pitched for 20 plus years. He had uh, over 2,500 strikeouts, two over 200 wins. I mean, he was a super, super duper solid starter. Um, kind of forgotten, just because you know the '69 Mets had Seaver. They had Nolan, a young Nolan Ryan, which wow. is insane. Um, but Kuzman was like the the number two guy. Like he was so solid for that team. I have to throw him in for my ultimate Met rotation. All right, that is a pretty solid staff, and uh, feel sorry for any lineup that has to face those guys <laughs> in a five game series. Goodness, um, and I'm glad you brought up 
Jerry Kuzman um, because, you know, like you said, he's, he's one of those classic baseball players. And I know you, and I know that you like trivia. So I had to throw in a couple of Mets trivia questions oh, here. God. You're putting me out really on the so, spot. This is this you're testing your fanhood here. Um, we got uh, let's see, got six questions for you. So let's let's see what what uh, your average is after this. So, first question: the first number retired by the Mets was number thirty-seven and belonged to their first manager. Who was that coach? That was, and I'll just say this right away: I am not googling. <laughs> My <laughs> hands are up, um, but their coach was Casey Stengel. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. All right, on the board. Start off. Start off with a single there. All right. The Mets played their first season in 1962, which I think you mentioned they had the worst record ever. Mm -hmm. In which iconic stadium did they play? Oh, uh, I think Shea Stadium was built in 64 or 5, but they were in the polo grounds to start. That's it. That's it. Two for two. See if we can keep it going here. All right. This is kind of a, an oddball question. Which of these former Mets numbers has never been retired? Hmm. Gil Hodges, okay. number 14. Tom Seaver, number 41. Or Keith Hernandez, number 17. It should be retired. And that's actually the reason why I've always worn 17 in my career is Keith Hernandez. You, this guy knows his stuff. And <laughs> I, I, I think uh, it's probably because he spit on Kramer in that Seinfeld episode. I think <laughs> <laughs> they're holding a grudge against them. But uh, yeah, that, uh, that was surprising. That was surprising. He, he, was, he was very solid, very solid. But uh, all right, next question here. Let's see if he can, can go four for four. On October 6, 1991, David Cohn tied a Mets record by striking out 19 batters in a game. Who did he face? Who did he face? Yeah, I thought what? you were going. A, I thought you were going a different way with that question. But yeah, okay, 1991. I'm gonna take a stab, and I'm gonna say the Pirates. Oh, the first <laughs> first wrong answer is actually the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, uh, should have stayed in the division. Yep. But hey, you're batting 750, so still that's above Hall of Fame standards here. So <laughs> next last two questions. So the most career home runs hit by a Met is 252. By yep. which player? Um I I don't want to overthink this. Because I feel like the answer should be easy. Uh it's because it, is it Daryl Strawberry? It is. Okay, it is. Good. I'm glad. Good. I'm glad you went with your gut answer there. <laughs> that was my gut, but I wanted to say, did David Wright break it? But I don't think he did. So it was he, it's Daryl Strawberry. Yeah, he was close. I want to say Wright was 242. He might have been 10 behind. Oh man. Yep. And then uh, last one here. Let's see. So we'll go a little uh, pitching stat here. Who has the most wins in Mets history? Okay. It's got to be Tom Seaver, right? That's it. Look at you. <laughs> there you go. Five for six. Not that is bad, a, huh? That's, that's a Hall of Fame day right there. Oh, I that was so. <laughs> that's Tom Seaver with 198 wins. 
And then I'll give you the next three is actually Doc Gooden with 157 and then Jerry Kuzman with 140 as a Met. And they were all on your ultimate Met starting rotation there. I so, mean, that's it. That's so it. nicely done. And then I like to uh, wrap up the conversation here. We're running a little long just because, you know, we could talk baseball all day. All um, day, yep. But uh, the baseball genie has granted you one wish. You get to have one baseball superpower. What would it be? So I've heard this, you asked this question with past guests on the pod. Um, and I'm just going to change it slightly. Instead of a superpower, I'm going to have a super pitcher. Um, and I'm just going to grab, grab stuff from, from all greats. So give me uh, the Nolan Ryan fastball. Give me a Pedro Martinez changeup. Um, give me a curveball, and I couldn't decide um, between Sandy Koufax or Clayton Kershaw. Wow, that's so. That's I mean, tough. It's, that's that's pretty much a toss-up. Um, give me a Randy Johnson slider. So th- those are my pitches. Okay, all Ryan fastball, changeup, Pedro, <laughs> curveball, pretty good arsenal right there. <laughs> and then uh, some. Some outside, some, you know, give me the command of Greg Maddox, absolute wow. doctor. And then finally, the competitiveness of Max Scherzer. Wow. That I is mean, the complete pitcher. And if, if there was a player on MLB The Show right now, I think his rating would be 99. <laughs> I hope so. Because <laughs> there's always room for improvement, you know? Can't <laughs> yeah, give him 100. Can't give him 100. He could always get better. Wow, that's uh, I'm glad you went that direction. That's a little different take on it. So that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, Anthony, I appreciate you being on here, man. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks, Jim. I had a lot of fun. This was this was awesome. Um, hopefully, the next time I'm on, um, there's actual baseball being played, and we could talk about that. Let's hope. Let's hope. up today's conversation if you enjoyed this episode please give our podcast a like and share it with your friends and if you have a baseball related story to tell that you would like to have featured on the show drop us a line in the comments or you can send a direct message to our facebook page thanks again for tuning in and until next time i'm jim tunison and this is for love of the game